Emotional Cripples is an entertainment podcast which contains frank discussions about mental health. Listener caution is advised. To episode six of Emotional Cripples, a podcast about male mental health. I'm Tim Tucker. I'm Andrew Lowe. And this week, we're going to talk about teenagers. We're going to talk about teenage male mental health. Um, yeah. Because uh, our key, our guest this week is my son, Tommy Lowe, who at the time of the interview was 17. And um, I thought be really interesting to get his take and get his perspective you know people talk about oh Jesus Christ imagine being a teenager these days and all social media and all the pressures yeah. and uh, everything's out in the open so I thought it'd be really interesting mm. to get him to come on and give his perspective and uh, he's a male which is on trend of the podcast and <laughs> I thought he would when I suggested to him you would go oh, fucking hell yeah I'm going to have to do that <laughs> Jesus Christ whatever all right um, is that how he normally responds to no, questions, queries? No, not been very far yeah. in, but he was yeah, brilliant. Okay, he was on. just said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I'd love to do that. So kids yeah. today, eh? they're, just, they're not surly it's... or sort of no. <laughs> or difficult. They're just too, <laughs> they're just really accommodating and friendly and, uh, and helpful. He is a particularly articulate teenager, I, I think. But no, he's, he's, it's a really interesting insight into that. <clears throat> the mindset of somebody who's growing up in a totally different world to us, as you touched on in the interview. Yeah. So... Um, it's the last one in the series, and we are yeah. currently we're gonna we we are planning to do another to do more of this. Um, mm. So yeah, and stay tuned in with us on social media. We've got a Facebook group and we've got a Twitter account. So check us out so you hear about when things are coming up and what we're doing next. Yeah. Um, so at the moment we're recording this uh, in the beginning of December, uh, and you know Christmas yeah. Christmas is uh, around the corner. I sort of. I feel really bad about saying this, but I just wanted to get it out there. And it's, I think as somebody who suffers from um, mental health issues, uh, I, I find Christmas mm. particularly difficult for lots of reasons, yeah. really, because it, I, find it, I find it really oppre- oppressive, um, just the idea. Mm. Mainly, I think it's the idea. There's a great thing uh, from Carl Pilkington, the um, sort of Ricky Gervais kind of puppet fella. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't like to be called that yeah Carl Pilkington he's actually very funny I remember one of the, the Ricky Gervais podcasts where he says um, I don't like fun which is beautiful absolutely beautiful I couldn't agree more because I'm, what he means I think is he doesn't like it when there's a time where he's supposed to be having fun right yeah when when basically, that's the expectation yeah yeah, there's an expectation that you are, if you're not having fun, you're a miserable bastard, bar humbug, what's the matter with you? You know, cheer up, all of this. You just mm. get into the spirit, <laughs> all this kind of thing. <laughs> but it has become transformed into something that's really just a sort of posh Mother's Day or Father's Day. or It's a super intense Black Friday, yeah. But I do get this sense, you know when that people say to you, um, oh, Christmas has become too commercial these days, but yeah. they're not Christians. I just sort mm. of think, well, that's what it is. Yeah. What are you complaining about if you're not a Christian? It is a commercial right, yeah. sort of enterprise, isn't it? You know, if you, I'm sure people listening who run, you know, shops or, or sort of businesses see Christmas as a big time of the year for them, and that's fine. But I do find it particularly oppressive. I think it's got worse in terms of the 
all pervasive feeling of it. I just wanted yeah. to read something from Matt Haig. Um, even though he's completely ignored us, Matt Haig, when I request to have him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going I'm to do the big thing Matt and Haig. not sulk. I'm going to read. Yeah, you know, one day maybe we'll talk to him. But um, he, hmm. he posted this on his Instagram. Um, he said, I went shopping yesterday. I didn't enjoy it. The crowds, the cold, <laughs> the unthinking, zombified <laughs> consumerism. We are all programmed to be part of. Um, moreover, it didn't seem to make anyone else happy. Parents barking at wailing kids, couples bickering, an air of gloom and a hunger for something no purchase could satisfy. <laughs> We're a strange species. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Merry Christmas from Matt Haig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I totally see what he means, and I kind of mm. I understand that feeling of where you're you, you're just out there, and it's just this fight to kind of get bargains and to get get presents in and um and um i just wanted to mention mention i'm sure a lot of people listen to us who find christmas particularly oppressive for for yeah darker reasons than i do yeah i always like the the um the alternative christmas like things like john peel's festive 50 yeah or you know some of the fun programs that used to be on channel four that would just undermine it a little bit because you do have to take the edge off that mainstream rampant consumerism don't you yeah otherwise it, it subsumes you into a, a glut of misery yeah i understand the, the reasons of the idea of uh of just having a bit of time off and um it's probably something to do with the fact that i don't have a nine-to-five you know i work for myself and um as you and i've talked about before when you work for yourself you're sort of always working particularly if you're a writer and you just you're always writing like, in your head and messing around with yeah. ideas and yeah yeah you never really go oh thank christ for that i'll have two weeks off sort of doing what i do to try no. and make some money you just basically um mm. <laughs> you're doing it all the time so perhaps it's my own fault for doing what i do but probably the one thing about christmas is that's a good idea is just to try to um play just to have some you know play some games i often mm. that's one thing i find really helpful people are tend to be more in the mood if you go anyone finds yeah. a game of uh, boulder dash <laughs> or, um, <laughs> is that a made-up game or is that no, a real game? True. It's but it's like the sort of the old show called My Bluff, where there's a sort of a term or something, and you have to three people have to bullshit, or you know one of them's got the true the true meaning, and then everyone has yeah. to say it should be called bullshit, really. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's the PG version, but I think. You know, people tend to be more up for it if you say, um, "Yeah, you know, do you want to do you want to fancy a uh, yeah, kaplunk or something?" <laughs> most <laughs> most people go, "Yeah, it's Christmas." You know, I'm drunk. Let's do it. There's no other time of year you do that, is there? You'd normally normally reserve. You know, go. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Why would I want to play kaplunk? <laughs> yeah, no, um, I'm busy and and I'm not eight anymore. <laughs> you know, sort of, but generally, try and sort of yeah. turn it. What I try and do is to, just to make it use it as an excuse mm. to sort of press gang people into playing games. This is going to descend into a whinge if we're not careful. But the music mm. depresses me. I just I've heard oh. Slade's "Merry Christmas" too many times now. I can't do it again. Yeah, and I, it's I, sort of I'm I'm sort of triggers a postal style episode within me to want to you know just destroy everything yeah and i think there's, there is but, some great um, christmas music though and everyone always goes on about the pogues and um i i like greg lakes i believe in father christmas this is turning into the christmas special too <laughs> sorry <laughs> but i do like um 
I love his that is something really melancholy, and it does. It really, it really fits fits for me because it reminds me of my childhood Christmas feeling, but it's also it's also taps into that adult sort of sense of disappointment yeah. and melancholy about Christmas, with it yeah, also yeah. with quite a hefty ladling of sort of political <laughs> political <laughs> awareness in there. That you think the balance is just perfect <laughs> on that one. Yeah, I don't know how it works, but but also you yeah. know. Um, You've got. You've also got. We've talked about the Beatles before. You've also got the sort of twin pillars of simply having a wonderful oh, yeah. Christmas time, and um, yeah, which is terrible. Merry Christmas War is yeah. over, which are the two things that you either probably reveals yeah. whether you're a Lennon or a McCartney man. I don't know which 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 of those you prefer. I prefer Merry Christmas. I War think even over. I think even McCartney fans probably would, would <laughs> admit that. Wonderful Christmas time is a terrible piece of work, but it keeps coming back up, doesn't it? Every year, it does year. Get, in, get under your skin, though, doesn't it? It, it does. does. That little synth echo. Yeah. yeah, and it does. It sort of weirdly kind of set, exemplifies their personalities, doesn't it? Like you've got yeah, yeah. McCartney's going Christmas, right? brilliant. <laughs> and Lennon is yeah. So what have you done? What have you fucking done this year? Then another fucking year over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just. <laughs> Another another year, or to paraphrase to sort of quote Pink Floyd, another year closer to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, one one can only imagine if they'd written it together, <laughs> what it would have turned out like. Yeah. Um, okay, so so we'll we, I think we will do a Christmas special just to to, to punctuate those games of Bokaroo. Yeah. We'll sort of do it at some point over the Christmas period, and then. Also, just on a personal note, I can't. Um, this has sort of been a kind of therapy for me doing this podcast. So, the thought of the thought yeah. of going into Christmas without doing another one is quite bleak. <laughs> so, I yeah. think I, I think I, I might have to do. I, it. I like yeah. it. You know, you, you and I are good, are good friends. We've known yeah. each other for a long time, and doing this podcast would has been really nice for me to stay in touch. Exactly. And whereas normally I would just send you a WhatsApp every eight months, <laughs> it's been nice to sort of stay in touch. So yeah, so we're going to do an episode on uh, teenage mental health, um, teenage male mental health, and I have a teenage male with me at the moment. I'm Tommy Lowe, and um, I'm the son of Andrew Lowe, yeah. uh, that's my dad, and he's doing this podcast. So at the moment, you are at a really interesting time of your life, aren't you, because you're about to... I'm moving on to, yeah, I'm moving on to uni very soon, I'm in year 12, mm-hmm. uh, going on to year 13. I mean, how do you... Uh, what's your sort of day-to-day experience of of mental health with your peers, with your friends? I mean, do you have anybody who openly, uh, you know, is is sort of pretty open about them? Yeah, yeah. I've got. I've obviously. I mean, I have ADHD like you, and and mm. we're very similar in that sense. But I've got friends and peers who have. I've dealt with people with anxiety, dealt with people mm. with depression, and and people in school have. Um, there's a wide variety of people who are as diverse as possible in in, uh, in terms of mental health there's no real restrictions in our school right. in terms of they don't let people in if you have a severe learning dis- disability which i don't want to say back in your day but right. like yeah. there would there would be people who would give you a, a title as someone who's just troubled not not right. someone with a, a proper they, they didn't eventually diagnosis came into a people started diagnosing a lot more seriously with, right. with um, things like ADHD or anxiety or mm. depression as a mental health disorder, but it it's it's become a bit of an excuse now. I what think in school, excuse? I think in school people begin to use 
uh, begin to self-diagnose and, right. and tell people that they have anxiety, they have depression, yeah, uh, or both, and uh, as a as an excuse for their behaviour. I don't yeah. want to ever generalise someone and say mm. that they don't have this when right. they told me they do, but mm. it it can be an excuse that's commonly used by people who want to romanticise that and romanticise it. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a badge of honor. Like a, I feel a, like this is my kind of generation. Like a fashionable wound. Uh, in a way, yeah. Like a, like a you know, a war but, scar. So the problem really is that, you know, you, there's a big difference between suffering from anxiety disorder or generalized anxiety or whatever or, and depression and feeling a bit sad about something or yeah. down or annoyed or being worried about something. They're going, very, very different things. Yeah, going through something in your life that has made you sad and yeah. then... That's not so, depression, then, is it? Well, yeah. If you've if you've experienced something mm. saddening that may, has made you sad, it yeah. can't give you depression. I don't know how it works. Obviously, well, I don't have depression, but I, so that, that's interesting. That's quite sad, isn't it? Really, that there are people who have, in a way, are sort of exploiting the idea that they've 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 cottoned on to the idea that they can get a little bit of leeway if they say, "Oh, I suffer from anxiety." Oh, depression. Yeah, sympathy, so exploiting the sympathies of people as well and having a kind of, it's this obsession with being different mm. and uh, that's made people think, I've got, you know what, I've got anxiety, I've so got do you, depression. So do you get people, do you get people at school, your peers, sort of 17, I, all your friends I imagine are basically 17 or 18, yeah. so do you get any of them uh, are, are any of your friends, are they aware that you have, I mean, ADHD isn't, isn't a mental illness, but are you aware that people know that you have ADHD? Um, my close circle of friends and most people in school actually know right. that I do have ADHD, but it's nothing that people, I mean, the only time someone's gone like, mate, you have ADHD, yeah. you, look at you, yeah. it isn't like year eight when people are pushing for insults, but it's nothing okay. that people attempt to hold over my head. Right. It's just something that people know me for as so, a, a, a kid who's got yeah. ADHD. ADHD is a good example because it used to be seen as uh, you're just naughty or we don't understand why you're doing that. Or, yeah. and, but now, obviously, a lot of people say that they have ADHD and perhaps there are some, um, most people would admit that it is actually you know, a genuine condition uh, as opposed to saying, oh, you're just, you're just bad. Mm. Um, so that, made, did, sorry, that made me think of uh, the um, you had the new thing going around about gaming disorder. No, go on. There's the new what, uh, addiction. A, addiction, yeah. Yeah. Where they've, well, I don't know who, but um, people are telling in in the news that they're saying that this is a is a new classified disorder, addiction, yeah. where people can't stop gaming, and it's okay. like it's a lot of things like that have become a lot more arbitrary now. So that's why things like self-diagnosis right. is, is a lot more, it's just not as credible because that's why when, when people say I've got anxiety and you ask them, how do you know? They say, I just, I feel, I feel really sad or, you know, I'm always on edge. Right. Or I think people are looking at me and thinking about, well, that could like, be, that sounds that's like... obviously, that's obviously what the symptoms are. Yeah. But when you say who diagnosed you, yeah, just like I just know. So, so it's interesting that you're saying that a lot of people uh, 
some people maybe reach for a bit of an excuse, an easy excuse to explain their behaviour, to it's get away easy. with certain behaviour. But it's interesting that you're also saying that, do you say, yeah, right, you're not diagnosed though, you know, or, you know, do you sort of, do you doubt people when they say, I've got anxiety? I doubt a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you kind of, sometimes you have to doubt someone every time they say something. But can you not see why that might, why that might mean that that person would be reluctant to be open about how they're feeling if yeah. they're, they're being met with cynicism from their peers. Yeah. Do you see you that? Can, you can understand it's like, it, it, it comes from a place of, it comes from something that they, they believe. Mm. So you can't, you, I, I'm not going to doubt them to their face. Right. As a, as a, a respectful person. Yeah. But um, you can never 100% know if they haven't been diagnosed by a doctor. We're talking, we've mentioned, you know, ADHD, which is something you have been diagnosed with. And, um, but, and you've obviously taken medication for that. So you have experience with taking medication for yeah, something that I, isn't visible. I took medication for ADHD. Uh, they can work it out. It's, uh, yeah, year, year 70, year 10. Yeah. And um, then I stopped taking it at year 11. Yeah. Uh, purely just because I felt like I was, I was... Not above it, but I just felt I'd, I'd done enough and I could control myself a little bit better than I did yeah. when I was a, a lot younger. So has that made you more um, sort of sympathetic to the idea that there can be, you know, things going on in your head that are affecting the way that you behave, the way you react to things that might not might be out of your control? Yeah, it's a lot more reasonable because when I did take the medication, I, I, there was a serious difference in my in my focus but also in it eventually took a, a bit of a toll on my mood mm. and my appetite and that wasn't great um another reason why i just stopped taking it mm. uh so i wanted to um it's a big thing on control right. and, and my self-control yeah. has gotten a lot better you live in a world where you you're you're constantly connected you're constantly on you have your all of your mates in your pocket at all times. Um, you know, on your phone, you've got your tribe, you carry your tribe with you. Yeah. You know, so there are obvious pressures that must come with that. Um, do you what's your experience then of, of how does that affect you? Do you feel that you always need to be available at all times for people? Do you feel the stress of that? Um, I feel the stress of being connected all the time, mm -hmm. but uh, only in the way that when I feel a little bit more introverted than usual, um, there will always be something mm. going on. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's a big difference to your time where yeah. it would be, uh, you know, you had to do a lot to find a friend, but I yeah. could literally take my phone out and send a text that we get to them instantly. Do you, do you feel pressure if somebody sends you a message do they start to pester you if you don't immediately reply? There's only there's like that one friend, but there's not many people who do that. It no, there's there's um there's people who there's people who take a long time to reply. There's people who take a short time to reply. Yeah. Um, you kind of enjoy the sort of the the sense of like who's going to reply first. It's like right. a, it's like a funny thing. But so what do you use? Do you use WhatsApp? Uh, 
for family. What's that? Just family. Do you use Snapchat? I use Snapchat for most people. Most right. People. Facebook. That's for old people. Facebook is for old people. That's for your parents. And whatever you say, I will stand by that. I think. What do you mean? Just like because you use Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Do you feel anxious about what's going on in the world, or do you do you sometimes worry about things? Not as much because I'm still very I'm still very very um, much focused on my social life. Okay. And I, it, it could be shallow, but I'm also looking at like myself and and not thinking. Uh, I'm thinking a lot less about the world. Yeah. Um, there's obviously there are kids my age who are very invested in politics and very invested in. Really? Um, our world, yeah, yeah, and and but I don't You're see myself as much as um, a fanatic, but I'm still okay. clearly I'm definitely interested in world affairs, okay. uh, but not as much as I am interested in, you know, my my tribe and, and what's happening at school and what's happening in my area, and right. you know, I don't you usually when I look at the wider picture is it is, it, is when something big happens, so. Okay. I'm most focused on me and then like my friends and my school yeah. and my area. Your generation, I think, is is really good, has got very good at filtering. That's what you're telling me, it seems. Yeah, it and like that's instead of you, know, you get a lot of adults talking about teenage mental health. And I was the same at the beginning of this conversation where I was thinking, Oh, you must it must be a nightmare for you. But it sounds to me like you've just found ways of filtering. And one way Another thing is television, isn't it? Television was seen as something that is just, you know, too many channels, just shit everywhere you turn. But what you can't control what you watch. Well, what's interesting because you don't watch television, I don't think, do you? You don't. You don't go to the see see what's on the TV and scroll through through some channels. That's a funny concept. That is genuinely a funny concept. That's a strange thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what you like, and you you go to the latest. you know, the latest post on a sort of YouTube feed or a certain... Well, yeah, when I want to go and watch, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I'll, okay. I'll go and watch it as soon as I want to watch it. And, yeah. and that's where... That's why Netflix has become so popular because our generation is filtering yes. all of the nonsense they don't want to watch. Yeah. And, and when they... I remember... It's on your terms. You yeah. just control. There's a lot of tolerance of gender identity and, you know, fluidity. There actually isn't that much... Well, that... that is a weird thing because that there actually isn't that much of a. Um, it's a very very big thing now to have, you know, have a, a more specific identity, um, or or just just to be gender neutral. Yeah, which is strange. So, so do you know any, do you know any openly gay people? Yeah, you do. I do, but but do, I don't know anyone who's openly gay who is also in my friendship group. So they're becoming this subcultures. It's, it's a, a sub. Friend, it's a, a culture group. that I haven't tapped into as much. Right. And uh, I'd like to become friends or something. No, like that. I mean that you're getting you're getting a lot of gay uh, uh, friendship groups and heterosexual friendship groups. I think so, places, actually. Really, I think so. That's right, why okay. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Now, to come to think of that, yeah, yeah. Okay. there are people who are in their own friendship group. What's What's your idea of what? It is to be sort of male. You know what? What kind of things do you think? Do you have any responsibilities? Do you think? Do you think you need to be a certain way, behave a certain way? I think um, no. I think <laughs> I think that there's no there's no restrictions on how I behave as a man. 
um, it, nowadays, which is a lot more liberating. Yeah. Because I can choose to be a man who dresses up like a woman if I wanted yeah. to, and I can choose, or I can choose to be a man who tomorrow doesn't really feel like being a man. Um, and the kind of culture of of explaining every, explaining to other people. You know, actually, I'm a justifying and, yourself. You know, justifying yeah. comes from our culture of creating all of these different genders and all of these yeah. different labels for each other, and then we kind of feel what those people kind of feel, you know, um, obliged to explain that. Yeah, to and the pressure you have mentally, again, mental health, the pressure you feel to live up to the, all these things and yeah. these things that go with those labels. Yeah, that's that for me is the whole point behind this podcast that men men have really struggled to uh, to shed that, to get free of that. And I think that's why a lot of men are turning that anxiety inward and turning all those kind of things that they're feeling but are not supposed to feel. That turns to low self-esteem, which in the worst possible case, you know, turns to the ultimate, um, mm-hmm. you know, the ultimate end, which yeah. is, you know, turning it inwards. So I thought I was really heartened by that by that interview because I I thought I was really worried that what was going to happen was that um, he was just going to confirm sort of all my fears parentally and just generally speaking in terms of what a fucking nightmare the world generally is for people who for teenagers or you know for for well for young young men you know he's he's yeah, about to yeah. become an adult and I thought it's a good time to sort of catch him. And talk about Definitely. it. Definitely, yeah. It was fascinating. I'd say I started laughing very early on when very soon he said, he said, I don't want to say back in your day. <laughs> Brilliant, you just said it. Yeah, that, it was really good. What, what I found really heartening about it was I, was I was really, I was worried, like I say, I was worried he was going to say, you don't know what it's like, you know, dad. It's, it's a living hell. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I'm teetering yeah. on the edge of my sanity sort of every minute of the day and um, I don't get any peace. I don't get, you know, I, I'm always on constantly. It's fucking awful. And um, Yeah. Well done on raising such a great son. Thank you. I presume you had a hand yeah. in that raising, but he was yeah, very was... articulate and, and very grounded. And, yeah. I mean, this is really pertinent to our topic, isn't it? Because yeah. fathers now... You know, you you talk about the difference between media yeah. then and now, but the difference between access to fatherhood, and I know you've got specific certain, but I, I've mentioned before I didn't have a very specific close relationship with my dad, and a lot of people I know, it was quite right. a distant thing, you know, yeah. father-son thing. Um, not Obviously, that's not gen- generalising completely, but I do know that it was a different role that men played in their children's upbringing. So. We got a message, we got an email from somebody a few weeks ago saying that they... They, what, that was a big source of their struggle, their mental health struggle. Mm. They got this child, and they didn't really, you know, they they just didn't know what to do. They, they were terrified. Yeah. But I, I, this is a man, and I remember coming home with Tommy, and um, you know, put, putting him on a blanket on the bed, and sort of going, "Oh my god, you know, <laughs> what the fuck have we done?" Yeah. And just thinking, um, that that what are we going to do? Yeah. What the hell do we do with this thing every day? Well, every day we've got to do that. And just this horror of um, it's stri- suddenly really realizing that, it? yeah, yeah, it's like that thing in The Simpsons, that pamphlet. So you've ruined your life. <laughs> 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 what next? But, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of think men, men of um, the expectations on men. That's another thing about mental health, isn't it? It's, it's changed a lot. You, the idea that you wouldn't mm. want to be at the birth would be weird. The idea that you wouldn't be involved in raising them would be weird. Well, I think that does for us. Well, for me, I don't know about you because you had your foster father. Did you have a foster father or a stepdad? Or stepdad, whatever? yeah. But um, stepdad, sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know how close you were with him, but. Um, what it's left me with, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk ill of my dad because my dad was just distant. He was a distant guy, yeah. not just with me, but with everyone. Yeah. But what it's left me with is this struggle to understand what a father should be and mm. more broadly what a man should be. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Because I, my view of a man was like a guy down the shed doing the car, you know, yeah. building stuff, yeah. going and building a boat. He built half the house. I can't do any of that. No, I've I got this. I think I've got this constant sort of fear that I'm not a man because... My dad, you know, he never stopped to talk to me about it, but that's what he would do. Yeah. But it has left us without a role model in yeah. a way, isn't it? Because the the expectations of men now is very different. And and I saw signs of that in what Tommy was saying about attitudes to ADHD at school, yeah. for example. I could be wrong here, but I, I'm sure the attitude when I was a kid would have been way different Yeah, to that. I mean, there are people now who just say ADHD is bollocks. It's just a way of, of labelising or medicalising a certain kind of personality or a certain type of behavior or someone who uh is a little bit mm. sociopathic or review refuses to play by the rules or whatever and doesn't care you know that's poor empathy poor emotional intelligence all these things and they just go oh we call it adhd but mm. and a lot of people have a similar attitude to um to depression and anxiety don't they you know you yeah yeah you're Absolutely. not not uh well I'll just cheer up just you know just stop being depressed. It's fine. Just go outside. Yeah, right. Yeah. When he was talking about his, uh, I don't want to characterize it too much as a sort of cynicism, but you know, you know that natural thing where somebody self-diagnoses, and he was saying he's sort of skeptical of that. He didn't come out quite that strong with it. I do. Uh, I do meet people who say that. Good friends, people I respect, who will say, uh, not necessarily depression. I think that's been accepted and anxiety, but. Uh, you remember that guy Chris Ward we were talking about who we're hoping to get on board he's writing a book about perfectionism and um, he he actually sent me a draft of it and um, I told my mate this and he said oh that's not a thing that's not a mental illness perfectionism apparently it is it's been classified as a mental illness mm. um, it's, it's in that book you know that ever expanding book of what is a mental illness yeah um, and there is definitely some backlash against that. But isn't I just there, think we've the... worked it out. Right. To me, it's like that's, you know, we've worked something out. We've discovered something. People go, nah, we haven't. I believe in what we believed 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, rub, that's rubbish. Yeah. You go, no, we've worked this out. You know, we've, we've looked, we've got more sophisticated sort of measuring techniques. And That's a good attitude, though. Yeah. Well, well you know, the, no, what you just said about. Things, things do move on. You know, we learn. That's what we do as a species, isn't it? We progress, mm. we, we work things out. We go. Why are people behaving like that? Yeah. Let's see if you know. See if that's a thing, and we can we can work mm. out how to mitigate it. His feedback to me was: if you can call perfectionism a mental illness, you may as well call being on time to a meeting a mental illness. Right. Or, you know, what, not he didn't say that, but it's like you know, every little behavioural thing has suddenly become classified as a mental condition. That that's was his point. But I'm it, not endorsing. But it, it all depends it, on. It's what Alison was saying in that pilot episode again difference between worry mm. uh, and anxiety and the difference is yeah. that it's where it becomes problematic where the behavior becomes problematic 
um, and how it starts mm. to affect your general functioning, isn't it? So if you're depressed, you yeah. might be mildly a bit prone to being a bit sort of down about things, and then you go, oh, right, anyway, um, you know, I'll put a certain bit of music on, oh, I feel a bit better now. Some people just don't can't get anywhere yeah. near that that level of being able to climb out of the hole, can they? They're just stuck in this yeah. hole. Yeah. And so that that's clinical depression. That's that's hugely problematic because it completely impacts on their life and their, their well being. But and if you just think mm. to yourself, Oh, I don't like being late, then that's not O C D, that's <laughs> not a mental illness. But if you if yeah. if you feel um, you know, like you're having a panic attack because you're stuck on a bus and you can't do anything about it and you are going to be late to something, then that probably is a problem. That maybe is a, pro- a problematic sort of OCD-like mental illness that's in the background somewhere. I think it's about how the behaviour reaches into the other parts of your life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, how, it, how it sort of impacts how you react yeah. to when, you know, when um, how it... It's sort of about your mental health affects your general well-being and loads of other areas. Then you've probably got a mental illness. Keen-eared listeners may have noticed, Andy, that my my yeah, audio is better this, about this your week. Mic? Um, yeah. My mic is awesome, it's, uh, and you've seen it. You've got to say, it is Andy, impressive it's, it's impressive, and it is right? Comically phallic, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea of its phallicness when I bought it, but it is. It's more. Uh, it's more yeah. subconscious, wasn't it, Tim? I think. It's yeah, more sort of yeah I mean, some sort of deep seated. What would Freud have said? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more of a sort of deep rooted, sort of you know, subconscious sense of inadequacy. I think that led you to to buy that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's under the surface, but here it is. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully, it's it's making me sound more normal. Yeah, because um, we've had a few complaints about the the sound quality. Yeah, um, mm. and um, you know, we're doing our best. It's it's, it's not fucking Abbey Road. <laughs> so, but we will well, improve that. You know, we will absolutely improve that in this in the second series, particularly if and here's yeah. the if cold hard cash enters the equation, and we, yeah. we start asking for Patreon money and all kinds of stuff. So we will try and be yeah. more professional with the sound quality. Maybe sponsors. Maybe we'll get a sponsor. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who'd sponsor this, but <laughs> yeah, um, be nice to get a you never know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll get an even bigger nice microphone. To... Yeah. <laughs> Although I prefer, to, I just really hope we can get to a point where we don't have to have adverts. I'm not no problem with other podcasts having adverts, but they just adverts seem are a bit annoying, pointless. aren't they? Yeah, press the thirty second yeah. skip button. That's the end of the advert. It doesn't work. Yes, <laughs> and even the best adverts just don't bear repeating, do they? Particularly um, Bomber socks. Yeah, yeah, that's not <laughs> Bomber good. socks is in every fucking podcast that I listen to. <laughs> I, I like whatever Bomber socks are. Um, you know about them. I just them. hate them. Mm. Yeah, I hate. I know about them, but I hate them. I'm never buying them. <laughs> anyway, um, so so uh, please get in touch. Um, yeah. Usual uh, Twitter is at emcripples and email is at contact at emotionalcripples.com. There's no at at the beginning there. It's just contact no, at emotionalcripples.com. It's just to clarify. It's Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter at emcripples um, and email yeah. contact at emotionalcripples.com yeah whatever you send us we will re- we'll keep it anonymous we're not going to you know say mm-hmm. your name or anything I do wonder sometimes whether feedback is harder on a podcast like this because people don't want to go some people don't want to disclose any mental health issues they have which I totally get I um, mm-hmm. I've got to say we're on the last 
episode of the season that one of the big things for me was stepping forward publicly announcing that I have mental health issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, it's been a great experience doing that and talking about it over these six mm. episodes. And it's opened the floodgates for conversations with mates who didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, people contacted me and going, wow, this is great. So informal things. But if that's an issue for you giving feedback, don't let it be because we won't mention you. We'll just say we got a message from this person, some person. Yeah. <laughs> um, and conversely, if you if you want to come on, if you want to talk to us, if you want to be a guest, you want to be mm. completely, you know, you have an experience you think we'd be interested in and, yeah. um, you know, we'd really be happy we'd be happy to hear from you definitely we um, could we could do one of those voice distorting things andy couldn't we where your voice comes yeah. out sounding like like a, a robot so that nobody yeah. guesses who you are or all that bit in the day-to-day where um <laughs> they, they're, they're parodying yes. the sort of 80s thing where they weren't allowed to hear the actual voice of Sinn Féin um supporters and they had a, a sort of a, a voiceover yeah, and, but they had Steve Coogan inhale some helium gas. Yeah. <laughs> well, he when he when he answers the questions, <laughs> it's something to do with Wouldn't that be to great? subtract credibility from the statements. <laughs> the Sinn Fein members have to in, have to helium when they answer the questions. That'd be great. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll, there, we'll work something out. There are ways. We'll, there are ways to remain anonymous. <laughs> but thanks for listening, and um, we'll see you soon for the yeah. Christmas special. Don't unsubscribe because then you'll, you won't know what's going on. Christmas special the, coming up soon because cause it is nearly Christmas now, isn't it? It feels like it. It just kicked yeah. in on December the 1st. But, um, yeah, stay in touch. Sorry to be miserable about Christmas, but, you know, just a personal view. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it does make us feel like our Christmas special is going to be particularly miserable, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It won't be, though. It'll be a compilation of all the stuff we couldn't fit in from the interviews. Yeah, we'll do that, yeah. And probably me and Tim drunk, yeah, why don't we do or, a drunk? Yeah, yes, let's do a drunk podcast. That's a great idea, isn't that it? That is, yeah. That, 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 <laughs> that's going to be, you know, yeah. a, a sort of landmark of broadcasting, I'm sure. <laughs> just imagine what will come out. But we, we'll yeah. just have to record it and let it out there without sort of editing it or something if we're really going to stick to that spirit. Um, do it live, fuck it. Yeah, do it live, yeah. <laughs> no, and... and um, if you've got anything you think we should talk about, uh, drop us a line on those channels or, or join our Facebook group, Emotional Cripples. You'll be welcome on there yeah. to, to sort of let us know what you think about anything, really, uh, related yes. to male mental health, mainly. Um, yeah, although we like it, music. As, as you say, try and keep it relevant. Yeah. Not, you know, don't, don't talk about horticulture or, yeah. um, or, you know... Equestrian sports. Yeah. I, equestrian sports. <laughs> 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 yeah, not, nothing wrong with being interested in those things. But if you're going to get in touch, do try to keep it relevant. Okay, see you soon. Yeah, bye. Emotional Cripples was devised and performed by Andrew Lowe and Tim Tucker. Designed by Stuart Bache. All music by The Weathermonger. If you have been affected by the issues in this podcast... Uh, you can call the Samaritans in the UK on 116-123. Or if you're outside the UK and Ireland, check out befrienders.org. You'll find the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm.